Well, I'm excited about the inaugural show and having Ryan Malott as our first guest from 500 Miles to Memphis. Let me tell you your first mistake about the inaugural show. Okay. And The pronunciation of inaugural? No? Probably. Did I, probably I, I probably pronounced it wrong. <laughs> okay, okay, problem number mistake? two yeah. with the inaugural <laughs> show is having me as your guest. Mm. So but, you, you know, happy to do it. Are you familiar with the phrase, agree to disagree? Never heard of it. Okay, well, let's roll then. Moving right along, uh, I'm going to have to say that I agree to disagree with you because you are an awesome dude. You know, I love you, and I love your band. Feelings mutual. And I love your live show, and I'm so excited and proud of you guys and happy for you, what's going on with the band right now. It's um, it's ridiculous. So Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. It Dude. might not amount to anything at all, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, we create this crazy loud art with our friends, with you guys, you know, couldn't have made this record without you. And uh, it's just been a blast. Just the creation process yeah. has all been worth it. So, yeah. you know, even if we fall into obscurity, which nine times out of 10, every band does, uh, it's fine, man. I'm happy. My my life's full. I'm good. good. So good. happy to be here too. Well, you do have a lot. You know, you've got. Uh, I know that you you have a life outside of your band as well, and you've got a lovely wife and she's children. Right. And she's, they're, they're she's okay. all right. Yeah, we're not here to talk about her, but she is pretty fantastic. <laughs> got to meet her at the show, and she's awesome. And um, maybe that was somebody else's wife, but I think it was yours. But at any rate. <laughs> Her name is Gina, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. She and she is great. And the kids are great. Okay. When you were talking earlier about how you just want to do, you want to be creative and you want to do creative stuff and you just want to um, appreciate and and follow your muse and create yes. fantastic art. Absolutely. That's probably the best segue we could have to slide into what we're here to talk about today primarily, which is the impetus for the show which is to kind of break down uh, these songs, break down songs and talk to songwriters about the inspiration of their song and how they got it from point A to point Z, if you will. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited today that we get a chance to talk about your title track of your record, Blessed Be the Damned. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did that sound? That sounds good to me, man. Cool. Uh, and I love the premise of this show. I, I uh I hope this does well because I think it's a freaking great idea. Uh, so we're, we're, let's start. Let's start with this. Do you remember? Because I remember, like as as a songwriter myself, um, sometimes I, I I can remember back to like exactly where I was when maybe I jotted down the first couple of ideas. Do you remember where you were when the thoughts about "Blessed Be the Dam" came to you? And totally. tell us a little bit about those first totally. few moments of the song. Oh God, that is such a big question especially now and specifically with this album and this song. Um, I have to preface it a little bit for those people that don't know who 500 Miles to Memphis is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we started in 2003. You know, we've, this is our fifth album, by the way, but we toured our asses off for mm -hmm. about 12, 13 years, 250 to wow. 300 dates a year. Oh my gosh. DIY, just, you know, young punk kids, starting we were terrible but you know i loved the craft and i loved the energy of the shows you know even though we weren't good we were still performers yeah and we still had people with us yeah and you know those 
young folks that loved us from the beginning have been with us every step of the way yeah. and we've grabbed others along the way and you know that that's just kind of like typical how diy punk bands do it mm-hmm. and um you know we, we've taken some segues and changed our sound here and there got better at our instruments learned our instruments mm-hmm. um and you know then we got to a certain point where it's, we felt like oh whoa i think we're actually musicians now instead of just like loud punks and that is a fun realization, and it's not nothing cocky about it. Um, it it's just like I'm I'm confident that like, yeah, man, we're good, and mm-hmm. I and I am so proud of every single member of my band. Yeah. They're I couldn't do it without them. I might write the songs, mm-hmm. but those guys bring it to life, and yeah. they're phenomenal players. And we've all grown together. So we've 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 grown up together. Sure. So anyway, we took a little break in. Uh, like 2014 so we took took a few years off i got married had kids the other guys also mm-hmm. you know they got married and had kids as well you know we just like hit that age where it was time to like do that yeah, have families or mm-hmm. else it just wasn't gonna happen yeah. so um in that time period of like three to four years uh it was cool at first because it was a much needed break like i said you know imagine 300 days a year of your life it's the only life you know yeah. and then to super totally cl- do super a- clean living along along the way <laughs> <laughs> well that was the other part of our ah, problem okay. Okay. that's a big part of the our issue now is we're, we're still recovering from our past mistakes and mm. our we've pissed off every club you can imagine mm. you know made every mistake you can make in the book pissed on every record label that was ever interested managers booking agents everyone we pissed off everyone mm. because we were just drunken idiots and we weren't good enough to back it up. Right. That was the other thing. <laughs> so uh, anyway, shot ourselves in the foot. So anyway, we're just recovering from that. And, um, you know, we took that time off, had families and kind of hit this wall where I realized, oh, my God, I haven't written a song in four years. I haven't played a show in two years you know, mm. and it was, uh, it was very depressing. We were all getting fat and sloppy and <laughs> just unhappy, man. Like yeah. just depressed. My mom died in that time. It's not something that when it's in you that you can really stop doing and be happy. You got to keep doing it. Cause that's really the source of a lot of your happiness. Don't you think? Dude, I, hmm, I've had this conversation with you before. And I know this is getting off track of what, off topic of what this podcast is about, but I think this is a very important thing to understand the psychology behind musicians. Mm-hmm. Like I always try to understand what drives me because to me it's primal. It's like, I have to do this. Yeah. It's the same as like having kids and loving my kids to death. And if anyone crosses them, I will fucking murder you. Right. It's that sort of primal rage. Right. And I have that with music. And um, I don't understand why we, what, like, I sit in my house, construct a song, bring it to the bandmates, we work, we perform, perfect the craft, put on, work on putting on an entertaining visual show. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, obviously being tight and like, just yeah. trying to put on the perfect show and trying sure. to always get it right. Mm-hmm. And then take that show on the road. And like, what drives you to go from writing in your basement or wherever to 
being halfway across the country performing these songs that you have spent ungodly amount of hours recording, promoting, learning, every, mm -hmm. everything that goes into it. Like, you know, so a lot of people don't understand like, hey, why isn't it enough to just like, why don't you just write your songs for yeah. yourself? Mm -hmm. Just, you know, if it's a totally altruistic thing, then why are you pushing it on everyone else? Why are you spending advertising dollars promoting it? Why do you have to have everyone else hear this stuff? Mm. And it's like, that's a good question. I don't know why. Because I want to, like Apple Jacks, it, it tastes good because we like it just because. <laughs> that's not the quote. I don't remember the stupid kids quote, but, you know, we like Apple Jacks because we do. Whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know why we do this. I don't, I love it. You know, I love being on stage in front of people that are singing along and that connection, mm -hmm. you know, like I love that. Yeah. And that is a drug yeah. that I will never tire of. Don't you think that, um, don't, don't you like the challenge? Don't you think it's the challenge? I mean, I think, Could be. I'm not saying it's all the challenge, but I, I, I yeah. like to challenge myself because I know if I'm not challenging myself, then I don't really feel alive. And... Yeah. One of the things that I love to do the most is to create and play music. And so I think I'm going to challenge myself in that area. The other thing I – the other reason I think is because it's not something that can really be perfected. So it's always still out there. So you're always kind of – what do you think about that? I don't know. I like that answer. I do like that answer. And I think, I think you're right in a lot of aspects. But I think there is something deeper that we'll never understand. And – I'm not religious per se, not even per se. I'm not religious, but I do feel that music is as close as you can get to God. Mm. I do feel that's how, if angels could speak, that's how they commune with us. Yeah. I think that's how God communes with us. Yeah. And Frederick Nietzsche quoted, without music, life would be a mistake. Mm -hmm. I've got the tattoo on my arm. Like cool. it is my most favorite quote of all time and it's so true can you imagine a world where music doesn't exist no i can't if if it does i don't want to be in it i can tell you that yeah do you so to that point do you feel like the songs kind of come through you then that you were kind of chosen you're the vessel like were you the vessel for blessed be the damned hmm gosh man i don't know i don't <laughs> I don't want to get like too esoteric on it, but I personally, me, mm -hmm. I work so hard for every note that comes out of my body. Nothing's natural. Mm. There's not one bit of me that is natural musician. Like there are guys that can just shred a guitar neck and play fiddle, violin, tuba, whatever. Uh, Paul Patterson's one of them. He played on our <coughs> record. He's a local Cincinnati legend, in my yeah. opinion. He can literally play anything at the drop of a hat and and it's per he could make stuff up at the drop of a hat and it's the best thing you've ever heard there are geniuses like that and i think those people there is has to be some energy in the universe that's flowing through them to do that not me like i'm like the pete rose of songwriting i just <laughs> pound it and pound it and pound it and work my ass off until it sounds somewhat passable as a rock and roll song and then print it go on tour yeah so for you it's about the hustle totally yeah yeah so blessed be the damned what was the hustle that day 
What what I know you said that you remember where you were. Yeah. Does does it did something just strike you and you, and you got your pen and your paper out or did you sit down to write when Blessed Be the Damned came through you? Well, I I wrote the song before I came up with that title. Um, there a lot of this song in particular, which is why it was chosen as the title track. It's by no means the single. And, you know, probably a lot of people would argue it's not even the best song. But lyrically, it means the most to me, and I put the most amount of thought and work and effort into it. Um, so when I sat down to write the song, man, it touches on a lot. It touches on, you know, a struggle of faith, you know, a belief in God, uh, being angry with God. Um, and it touches a lot on how you can try and try and work toward a goal your entire life and always fall short and always lose. No matter what you do, you will always lose. And that hopeless feeling. And it, well, the song in particular, you know, it's dressed up in a story about, you know, uh, a farmer who just can't yield crops. And, you know, he has starving children. His wife died. Like, the world or God has just damned him forever. And he, no matter what he does, he can never pick himself up by the bootstraps, even though he tries. He, can, he will never get out of that hole, you know. And unfortunately, the world we live in, there's a lot of people like mm-hmm. that around the world. You know, like, I'm lucky enough that I was born where I was born. I'm not affluent by any means. I grew up in a farming community, you know, lower middle class family, you know, great parents, um, but, you know, a, a lot more advantages than, <laughs> than a lot. other yeah. other people, you know. Um, but anyway, so just the title, Blessed Be the Damned, for me is... <sighs> I feel that people that have gone through drug addiction or dealt with issues that a lot, most people have never dealt with, mm-hmm. have more knowledge about how the world really works and about how life actually works and are happier because of it, mm. are able to overcome those obstacles and see the strings more than anyone else at the top, I think. So you appreciate being where you're at or being up because you've been down. Exactly. And you got perspective you yeah. feel like you wouldn't have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you hear about addicts hitting rock bottom. And mm-hmm. hopefully you're lucky enough like me to hit that rock bottom and come out of it swinging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did. And, I, I, you know, like I love talking about that. I don't have any qualms talking about drug and alcohol addiction. You know, like a lot of my brothers have died. And when I say brothers, I don't mean yeah. siblings. I, I right. mean <clears throat> people you care about. Band of brothers, yeah. you know, musicians, yeah. non musicians, you know, just yeah. friends. I mean, uh, my mom, unfortunately. But um I, I think you come out of it with more clarity. And and not just drugs. I'm I'm just just yeah. anything in general. Uh, sure. a really good friend of mine um grew up, you know, she was uh from India. Uh, she was and a human trafficking ring came out of it. And now she's like top executive at a software company. And she runs a uh, nonprofit organization and helps mm-hmm. other people with human trafficking. Yeah. Like she's rescued, I think, somewhere around 5,000, you know? 
mm-hmm. and she's one of the happiest people I know. She's one of the hardest workers I know, and uh, I don't think she would be where she is had she not gone through what she went through. Yeah, and the world is better because of her. Yeah. So experiencing that pain, do you think that makes you a better songwriter? I mean, that obviously had a lot to do with this this song in particular. But yeah. but in general, you know, they say some. They, a lot of people say that you can't be a songwriter, a really good songwriter, unless you've experienced a lot of pain and loss and things of that nature. Yeah, you know, uh, people do say that. I, I don't think there's any one hard and fast rule. Mm-hmm. It does seem like a lot. I mean, it is a common thread that. A lot of uh, great songwriters have really been through hell. I mean, comparatively, I've had it easy compared to a lot of other people and a lot of other songwriters I know. Yeah. Uh, but I also know some amazing songwriters that grew up in fantastic homes, have supportive parents, mm-hmm. uh, are just salt of the earth people that have sure. never had you know anything like yep. self inflicted or whatever yeah. bad happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're all living on this planet. You know, no one's got it easy. Yeah. No one does. No. Even even those, you know, one percenters at the top, they're dealing with something, surely. Yep. More money, or more problems. Life would be boring, say. right? Right, exactly. You know? uh, so hell, do you I think, don't know. Do you think that the empathy that you have, obviously, for, for when we're going to call them the downtrodden, but people that have gone through these sorts of hardships and you've been experiencing that. I know you had to, to deal with that on a very personal level, obviously. Not only your own journey, but then seeing, you know, your mother pass away, etc. So do you feel like, you know, <clears throat> is the song sort of an ode then to, to people who have gone through that? And it's yeah. kind of like right framed in the story of the farmer? Is that... Yeah, and it, yeah, and if you listen to like the the album version of the song, I mean, it, it's yeah. an absolute like rally cry. Yeah, we've not, or we're not. <laughs> I don't even know my own song. We're not done. We've just begun. Yeah, is the uh, the tag, yeah. and um, it's you know big gang vocals, and that's sort of the rally. Is like we're not done yet. You mm-hmm. know, like. You you can keep beating us down and throw whatever you want at us, but we're still going to keep coming back. And because mm-hmm. we, why not? Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what else? What else are we going to do? Lay down and just die? I don't know. Not us. Yeah. Did you did you find that I, I've experienced this a couple of times? Where more than a couple of times, the song takes on some different meaning over time. And I think that's the other thing about performing live is sometimes almost while you're performing it, you have these aha moments of, I didn't know that this is what it meant, but this is another layer of meaning that's just coming through for me right now. Anything about Blessed Be the Damn that you were like, oh, okay, hmm. that, that's in there. Yeah. Well, because it's such a fresh song, yeah. you know, like we wrote these songs and jumped into the studio with you. Right away, yeah. Right away. Yeah, okay. So... That hasn't happened yet. It has happened with me with like, you know, some older songs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, man, that's, uh, I think that's a sign of a good song. And, and too, like fans, they'll interpret something completely different than what I do and when I'm writing it. And it's like, oh, wow, I never even considered that, you know, how your, your you interpretation. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, well, I mean, you know, everyone interprets things differently, right. just period. That's the beauty of perspective, it. Perspective. Yeah. yeah. That's very cool. Did you, was this a song that, that you had to labor over, over time, or did this one come quickly? 
I know you said you put a lot of effort Labor. into it, but sometimes that doesn't mean it took a long time. You, it, this was a long. This one. was a long yeah. one. Yeah, okay. and I was very so happy with it when that, when I demoed it and got yeah. it done. Yeah. Um, but aside from you know the content and the intent of the lyrics and the message, the music to me was almost more important. So we we're you know we, we call it punk rock Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of how we categorize, you know, the band. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this song in particular, I really wanted to draw from, you know, the roots of Appalachia and listen. You know, I was like a student of turn of the century Appalachian mountain music. You know, like West Virginia, Kentucky specifically, because my family's from West Virginia. Long story short, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so I really wanted to drive or dive deep into that and really analyze the crap out of Gene Ritchie, the Carter family, um, Roscoe Holcomb. He's one of my favorites. Um, Doc Watson. Mm. Um, who else? Jeez. But uh, anyway, just really diving into the indigenous sound of where we're from. We're from Cincinnati, for those that don't know, which is right across the river from Kentucky. There's just, if you grew up here, bluegrass is here. That's yeah. just part of uh, our DNA. Yeah. Um, so I started picking up on common themes and, you know, obviously the turn of the century, I mean, you're, most people were farmers. That was just how we lived. Um, so that was sort of the influence there. But musically, I started recognizing that like these very basic three chord structures that's prevalent in punk rock today and what 70s even, whenever, you know, rock and roll, period. Um and they stayed away a lot from uh, the major scale. They were very heavily in the blues scale. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was, I don't know why that is. I mean, I'm not an expert and there are musical, you know, experts out there that actually have degrees in this stuff. So this is a, I'm not the guy to ask moment, mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> That's just my interpretation of my studies. And so musically, this is what I came up with. So this song is, there is a barn dance. The town's there listening to the folk bluegrass band sing their songs about, you know, just daily life on the farm. And a punk rock band pulls up, goes through a time machine, comes back in time to plug in their amps and play rock and roll. There's electricity. Don't worry about it. Um, So, you know, you have this bluegrass band, and then all of a sudden there's this punk rock band that just comes and just joins in the party, and it's just gigantic wall of sound. So that musically, like I said, musically this song is as important as the lyrical content that went into it. But, yeah, this song took me probably a month to finish yeah and when you listen to it you're just like well it's kind of a simple song why did it take him so long <laughs> <laughs> no no way no way would i say uh, no looking through i, I uh, would never look through that lens i know sometimes the what appears to be the simplest song is actually the one that it takes the most time um and that you labor over the much because it's not about the it's not about the chord changes and stuff it's about trying to get it all right and have it all sync up you know and yeah. and, and to realize probably where, where you know you kind of know as the songwriter is it where i want it to be you know and that doesn't have anything to do about the simplicity of the chords or how they stack together yeah. it's about did i get it 
did I get it where I wanted it to be? And is this what I intended? You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, you're only going to quit when you feel like you got there. Right. How about the instrumentation for this song? So I know you put a lot of time and effort into development of it, right? And then when you got to the studio and, you know, you guys were starting to kind of layer up and build, build this tune, um, tell us a little bit about the choices that you made in getting it to where the final product got. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it was pretty easy. The whole concept was, um, you know, bluegrass band meets loud punk band. So we started, you know, with an acoustic guitar, banjo, mandolin, and, you know, we light drums and, and then added, uh, you know, we've got steel and, or lap steel mm -hmm. and two loud Marshall stack guitars, bass, drums, you know, full rock drums. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was like predetermined before I even started recording it because okay. like I had this concept. You heard the full thing, yeah. And I kind of had a concept for this record before we, before I wrote that song mm -hmm. because I had written two other songs before I had written that one for this album. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a concept in mind of what this album was going to be. So I kind of already knew the instrumentation that was going to be there. Mm -hmm. So you do have your, like I said, traditional bluegrass band, folk band. And this song in particular is a little more on the folksy side as opposed to uh, the uh, bluegrass side. Yeah. Um, says we are very particular about our bluegrass around here, so I hesitate to call <laughs> things bluegrass unless they are true bluegrass yes. because I will get yelled at, and I just don't feel like dealing with the tweets. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I said, acoustic guitar, uh, banjo, mandolin, upright bass, and, you know, the drums in, like, the loud punk band yeah. comes in after. And you'll hear it on the chorus, loud gang vocals. And, mm -hmm. then, and then, but we also have those bluegrass harmonies in there as well. So it, it all, it all layers. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the entire album's this way. So, I mean, it, if it sounds like an interesting concept to you, uh, go get the album and, and you'll dig it. The, the whole album is constructed, you know, with, behind this concept. So. Uh, I, and everybody out there, I second that emotion. This album is freaking fantastic. It well, really is, dude. I, I mean, couldn't seriously. have done it without you guys. Well, Thank you. Thanks for choosing us. And you played banjo on the yes, track, right? Correct. We have a banjo here. You do? <laughs> you guys have a banjo? We have a banjo. Why did I bring mine when I was recording? I don't know, but huh. we were hoping we could trick you in. Would you mind playing playing the song for us? Yes. You would mind or you will do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Play the song I will for do us. it. I think our I listeners. Know. I think you need to talk me into it. All right, I'll do okay. it. Okay.
Thank you so much for listening to Songsmith. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, and write a review. It really helps people find us. Thanks again, you guys, and we'll see you next time.